Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life, a show that might just get you dreaming about a different lifestyle. If you're new to the show, subscribe on iTunes, and don't be afraid to begin with episode one. Don't worry, you'll catch up. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. My co-host Tiffany is away this week, so joining me instead is Deborah Bruno, a Washington, D.C.-based freelance writer who recently completed a three-year stint in Beijing. And she wrote an article for the Wall Street Journal's expat blog titled Divorce, Global Style. For expat marriages, breaking up is harder to do. And you might recognize her also because she's appeared on The Bittersweet Life before in episode 64 about repatriating. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for talking to me today. Hi, I'm glad to talk. I'm happy to be there. So in your article, you cite a study that found that expat life can highlight existing problems in a marriage. Can you expand on that a little bit? Not just highlighting uh, existing problems, but sometimes expat life can actually also create problems where there may not have been any problems before. So it's kind of a double edged problem for expat couples is that um, depending on the country they're in, some countries are just really not healthy for a marriage. And and sometimes it's just that there might have been flaws or frailties in a marriage that kind of get, you know, exacerbated with living abroad. So it's, it can be a, di- a difficult thing for expat couples. You're saying that it's possible that even a couple that's doing very well when they're back home might find that their marriage is strained to a point of divorce by moving abroad? Yeah, although I'm not sure I would want to say that a wonderful, perfect, idyllic relationship is going to be torn apart by being abroad. But I think that sometimes there are circumstances that, say, for example, allow for infidelities with a couple that's abroad that may not be available in the same way if they were home. So that could be one problem, for example. Um, but generally, what what the um, what the studies have shown, what the research has shown, is that it's more often that there's some kind of existing underlying problem, whether it's large or small, in a marriage, and um, being abroad can can sometimes exacerbate that. I should probably say that you know there are plenty of couples also out there, though I think that having this adventure together, being abroad together, actually draws them closer and makes them feel as if they're you know, having this adventure together. So I wouldn't want to say that expat life is just automatically horrible for a marriage or a relationship. Well, one of the things that you wrote about was that there are certain expat destinations, namely Asia and the Middle East, that are known for changing marriages. Yeah. Can you explain why that would be? Well, I think what, what you have in a lot of circumstances is countries, many countries where Young women, um, they don't have many opportunities in life. They don't have a way to kind of sometimes get out of poverty or get out of bad situation or have more freedom. And so they look at, a lot of them may look at Western men as their ticket out. And so they could be very, very aggressive in terms of pursuing these men, trying to break up the marriage because they see these men as as a way of, of escaping whatever situation they're in. Um, this is, of course, again, a vast overgeneralization, and not every man is going to be susceptible to this, and not every 
woman in Asia or the Middle East or Africa is going to be preying on men, but there is some something of a greater likelihood in some countries. And also, there are a lot of, actually I've seen this, there are a lot of countries that have um, situations, whether it's buildings, like in Singapore, there's a famous um, apartment building where it's known that there are sex shops and massage parlors and things like that, where people go to and it's pretty guaranteed that, you know, there will be prostitutes or there will be people there that will try to tempt them. So, you know, it really depends on the, the culture and whether the country sort of encourages some kind of extra dilly-dallying, I guess. <laughs> In countries that are tending more that way, do you know if there's a different culture there among expat men or men who work together? Does it, does it infiltrate how they might be behaving together as a group? Yeah, I think, I think depending on, you know, what companies they work for, but some companies, um, I had one guy in my story tell me that in uh, his company, whenever a new employee came, they would take him out to strip clubs and things like that, that that was sort of the tradition. Um, I'm not sure you see that as much, you know, in the United States anymore. So it's a little bit of a kind of an old fashioned thing. Uh, But that's not the only reason um, expat marriages get into trouble abroad. I think a lot of it also is um, travel and work hours. If if couples are apart a great deal, that can lead to them kind of growing apart. You know, so there are things like that. A lot of times also couples are not in an environment that in which they have a kind of a larger community that might discourage a marriage from falling apart. Many people feel very lonely, and so they don't necessarily have someone to talk to about their problems, and that can actually exacerbate things as well. So it's it's a host of problems that can cause problems in a marriage. So let's say the worst happens, and a couple facing all these strains decides that they are going to separate. Divorce is the option. Why is divorce harder for a couple to navigate when they're living abroad? There are a couple of issues here. One is the question of if children are involved, there's a huge question of where do the children go, which which parent do the children end up with. There are some international laws, and a lot of countries follow the hate convention, which means that parents are not allowed to leave a country with their children without the agreement of their spouse or ex-spouse. And so it prevents things like child abduction, of course, but it also sometimes traps people in countries where they would rather leave, but in order for them to leave, they may actually have to give up their children. One woman I interviewed for my story ended up not seeing her children for many years because she had to leave, and her husband kept the children in the country that he was from, and so she she lost in a very big way, and there wasn't a lot she could do about it. So those kinds of things can really create giant headaches. And then the other issue can sometimes be money if a couple breaks up, they're living in an expensive place, they may not be able to afford to maintain two residences. So sometimes a spouse can really be pushed into poverty that way. And I think that's true, of course, anywhere, but I think it really depends on, you know, the cost of living in a particular country too. You also mentioned that access to money in general, even if you had enough money, could be difficult in certain countries because of a lack of joint bank accounts or different rules about who has the money in different countries? That's right. Yeah, Some countries actually don't allow um, married couples to have a joint bank account. So all of the money is in one's name, usually the husband. 
And so for the wife then to get money out of that account is virtually impossible. So she's really much more trapped than she might be if she were in a country where she could have access to cash. It can be very, very vulnerable. Some of the women I interviewed basically had no choice but to to leave when their marriage broke up because they had no other way of living. They had no residency permit. They had no visa and they had no money. So some of them were sort of thrust back into the arms of their families, whether they were full independent adults or not. A lot of them are expats who have been abroad for many years and may not have been living at home for a long time too. So there's a big shock to them. So that that can be a difficult thing. Yeah, to say the least. You talked about a little bit about that sense of social isolation, that there's not that safety net of community support that you might turn to if you're having trouble in a marriage. Mm -hmm. Did the study or in your research, did you find that expats, other expat friends were not a good resource? That's what Yvonne McNulty told me, who is the academic who did the study on expat divorce. She said that what she found in her research was that a lot of times um, it was a taboo subject among other expats because they felt as if if they even acknowledged that one couple was having a problem, it might in some way, you know, like a disease spread to them. It, and so it became, in some situations, very, very isolating because no one wanted to talk about it. No one wanted to support a woman or a man who happened to be going through a divorce because maybe they thought that this could happen to them if they were too involved in it. So there was less of a culture of support than you might see. Now, having said that, I've also come across in recent uh, research that I've done, I found um, a group, for example, in Singapore that actually is a um, kind of a support group for single expat parents. And so you do see some places where communities are deciding to bond together and to kind of form some sort of a sense of camaraderie with each other. So it's not everywhere, but I think this is what Yvonne McNulty, the uh, researcher, found that there could be a sense of isolation. That does seem like an, an unusual finding to me, just because why would you necessarily assume that it's going to spread into your marriage? Yeah, yeah, I know. Couldn't you just as easily feel that way here back in your native country when a friend comes to you with problems? I think, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's what she found is what, she, what people told her. I don't know. I mean, it might be connected to the fact that when you live out of your home country, you feel in general more vulnerable on other levels. And so maybe this has to do with just a, a larger feeling of vulnerability and, and a sense of, of trying to be more protective of, you know, what you have. I, I don't know for sure. What was her reason for doing the study? Do you know? You know, I think she's very interested in sort of expat lives in general. I think this is her field of study, and I think that she is very interested in finding out. A lot of companies are looking, doing research on what makes a an assignment successful and what makes an assignment a failure. And of course, uh, you know, financially, if a company is going to spend, sometimes it can be a million dollars to move a, a family abroad. If that, then something goes wrong with that family, whether, you know, the marriage breaks up or the children want to go home or somebody's not happy, they've lost a huge investment. So there's a financial aspect to this that I think a lot of people are looking at and companies in particular, I think, are starting to look more closely at how can they prepare 
people for the expat experience. You know, what kinds of things can they do to either head off problems before they even start or to provide support to families once they're abroad, whether it's cultural training or language training or social groups or things like that. The days of companies just plopping somebody in a place and saying, yeah, good luck, I think that they're starting to get past that. They're starting to be a little bit more cognizant of the fact that they need to pay attention to the whole family situation and what people are needing from their expat experience. Is there a higher rate of divorce or marital problems amongst expats that you've discovered? No, I mean, I actually think that the academics that I talked to found that there was actually um, an even level or even a slightly lower level of divorce. So it's not that expat equals divorce. Um, But her theory on that was that it was probably a situation of people maybe having trouble but staying together because it was too hard to break up when they were not in their home country. It was just too complicated. So you might have a situation of people staying in a bad marriage, telling themselves, well, when we move back home, then we'll break up. But for now, we'll stay together because it's just too hard to figure out how to do it otherwise. So the statistics don't show that there are higher numbers of expats getting divorced, which is interesting. And when it comes to a legal standpoint, if you're living somewhere like Singapore, is it harder to even file for divorce? Or do you just file it through whatever country you're from, as you would normally? It depends. Yeah, no, it very much depends on the country. I mean, generally, I think expats, what they're doing is through their own nationalities, not necessarily through the country that they're living in. But, you know, what you also have is situations where you might have a couple with two different nationalities, and then um, it's not clear through what country would they file for divorce and what are the laws. It's very much dependent on the situation that they're in. You know, I lived in China, and I know that there were couples that broke up in China. Each of them then found a job in Beijing and and went on with their lives. I mean, it wasn't necessarily easy, but they were able to do that. So it's not as if every expat couple that breaks up and has a divorce then automatically leaves the country. There are plenty of times I've seen situations where couples um, divorce. They live in separate apartments, but they're still living in the same city, and they may both be working in the same city. It really depends on the country. Did you look into at all divorce when you come home, when you return home and the grand adventure is over? I've always wondered if that puts a strain on a marriage. It's an interesting question. Yeah. No, I, I haven't. And that's actually a good thing to ask and to find out. Because with my other story that I did about repatriation, which, of course, is not a new thing. I mean, um, my husband just today sent me an article that from the Wall Street Journal from 1995, where a very good writer named Barry Newman did a piece about a man's difficulty moving back to the States after living in Japan for many years. And so it's not a new thing. But I think it would be interesting to look at whether the difficulties with repatriation somehow then trickle over into marital difficulties and whether they cause divorce as a sort of a a secondary effect of coming back. But uh, I don't know. I haven't seen any research on that. So maybe somebody would, maybe somebody's out there working on research on it right now. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe if, if someone's listening and you're working on that, let us know. Because we would, yeah. I would like to know. I, I've known other couples and just from my own situation that you come back and the repatriation process is very different for both people. And so I could see how that could cause a tension that leads to marital discord. 
I agree. I agree. I mean, I have known of people who've come back and really struggled, have had insomnia problems, have had all kinds of problems that one stuff has had and the other stuff is not. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think it could really cause tension. And even for people who are not married, um, I've seen situations where single people have repatriated and come back and found that they're a little bit lost. It's an interesting situation where you have this expat adventure and then you have to figure out what happens after the expat adventure. Why did you want to look into divorce among expats as a topic to write about? Part of the reason was that I had seen some of it when I was living in China, and I had talked to some of my friends about what they, their friends or what they had been going through. And so I had some firsthand observation of it. I think that that topic, I saw that that was an interesting thing. I mean, I've had friends who have gone over there, seemed very happy as a couple, and all of a sudden the marriage is over. I always wondered if there were reasons for that, if there are things that might be different with expat couples. Yeah, with with the people that you knew, what was it? Was it the travel and the work hours? Was it? No, I don't know for sure. You know, this is one of these things where this was a pretty hard story to do because you're asking people about their private lives and they may or may not want to tell you a lot. The other question is, what can you report? The tricky situation for me was if I talked to one of the spouses, then I really needed to try to get a response from the other spouse. And 100% of the time, the other spouse, even contacted them, I reached them, would say, no, I don't want to talk. It was a little bit tricky in that sense. So I do think that it's a situation that is hard for people to talk about. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think there are rumors. There are things that people talk about. But you don't know. Who knows really what goes on in a marriage except the two people who are in a marriage, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. After doing so much research into this, what was your general takeaway? The lasting idea about this was basically that people should just be aware that there could be stresses, there could be issues with a marriage. If they choose to go abroad, I think they just have to be very careful to think about what kinds of things might be difficult for them. You know, one woman I interviewed, um, she was living in Germany with her husband and they moved because they thought that maybe this move would actually preserve the marriage. And I think that that was probably a big mistake because they ended up breaking up. Their, their marriage was in trouble. They thought maybe if they went abroad, they could try to improve things and then it, it made things worse. So evaluate your marriage before you head overseas. Yeah. <laughs> Think about it if you're strong. I mean, I think the strong marriages can get stronger and the weak marriages can run into problems. But, you know, a lot of times people think their marriage is strong and it may not be, or there may be flaws that they're just not really acknowledging. I think this is sort of a new topic. I haven't really seen a lot written about expat divorces. And so I'm hoping that there are more articles out there. There's more research being done. I hope that this does add to the conversation because I think that there's a lot more to be said and and I think that uh, you know people should sort of think about this more. I could call out to you listening and if you have a story or an experience that you want to share to add to the conversation feel free to write us bittersweetlife at mail.com we'd love to hear those stories we don't necessarily have to share them on the podcast but I'd love to know your thoughts and what you've gone through. It is a very interesting topic because it can be a wonderful but also a very stressful thing. That's why I was interested when I saw your article. Well, thank you.
Deborah Bruno is in Washington, D.C., recently back from a three-year stint in Beijing. She's a freelance writer there. And the article, if you want to read more, is at the Wall Street Journal's expat blog. It's called Divorce Global Style. For expat marriages, breaking up is harder to do. And I'll make sure that there's a link at our website, thebittersweetlife.net. And until then, I'm Katie Sewell. This is The Bittersweet Life. Join us again. Thanks for all the ways you support us. Give us a good rating on iTunes, maybe five stars if you like the show. It will help other people discover that we exist. Thank you. You're the best. <laughs>